you have a Bible this morning, uh, turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Let's go to chapter 7. We want to pick up our study in verse 11 uh, through 19. And I want you to pick up on the title of our teaching, uh, The Need for a New Priesthood. Now, remember that the letter is being written uh, to Jewish believers. These are Hebrew Christians. And all of a sudden, their priesthood uh, is nullified. All of a sudden, the law is nullified. And think about it. All, all of a sudden now, all the animal sacrifices. And then being explained that everything points to Christ. As I was preparing this study, the Holy Spirit was bringing to my remembrance. You know, 30 years ago, I was trying to understand now, what are the Hebrews going through? And so 30 years ago, when Mary and I came to Saving Grace, we left Catholicism, and it was not an easy task. It was very difficult, very hard. And so I'm thinking of the Hebrew Christians. And all of a sudden, I'm reading Scripture, and my friends are sharing with me. You know, we don't need the Pope. We don't need Mary. We don't need to pray to the saints. We don't need the sacraments. And all of a sudden, you're dumbfounded. And it's just a hard concept to come to. And you come to this conclusion that it's Jesus that we need. It is his complete sacrifice that we need. Jesus paid the full price to give us life, life eternal. And what literally saved me, I know now that it was the blood of Christ, but as I began to read, as I began to study, my friend told me, Bob, you need to read the Gospel of John. And I read it. And then I read it again. And then I read it again. And what really helped me is that I had a New Living Translation. And I had no knowledge of translations. But most of our friends were reading King James and New King James. And I'll tell you what, I couldn't understand those these and thous and begats and and I mean, I was confused. And so the New Trivi Tri Living Translation was just an eye-opener for me. And as I began to read, and the Holy Spirit begins to share, and the Holy Spirit moves on your heart, you realize it's not what man is saying. You don't need this, you don't need that, but you need Christ. But the Spirit of God tells you. The Hebrew Christians had to come to the knowledge of a Savior. They had to come to a knowledge of God's Word. Now, the law, the priesthood, the animal sacrifices, everything was pointing to the cross. They were not taking it away. It was being completed in Christ Jesus. I want you to think about it now. A new law, a new priesthood, after the order of Melchizedek, not Moses, not Aaron. It had to have been, it had to have been different. It had to have been tremendous change, a challenge to the heart. But yet, understand this, the law of Moses pointed to the new law, which is the law of Christ. His love. His love is what transforms me, what transforms you, what changes us. Because of his love, he went to the cross. The Aaronic priesthood appoints us to our final high priest, which is Jesus Christ. And I want you to think of the animal sacrifices. You brought in your, go your goats, your sheep, your bulls, your calves, your lambs, your goats. You, you brought in 
you know, the turtle doves. He had this continuance of the animal sacrifices. Dads, if you made a sacrifice to the, at the temple for your family, you brought in some type of animal. And then the shedding of blood. In fact, in the feast days, uh, Josephus tells us, especially for Passover, it was nothing for 240,000 lambs to be slain in that week of, the, of Passover. I mean, what a bloody mess. Yet the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And now you come to this conclusion. The complete sacrifice is Jesus. He is my priesthood. It's a done deal, church. And so this is what we're going to see this morning. Hard to grasp sometimes. I don't know how many times in, in the first six months of my salvation, you know, I'm ready to go back to Catholicism. It was much easier, and I understood it. I didn't understand what I was doing. Now imagine, last Sunday we had a water baptism. Six months after our salvation, you know, the people we were running with at church, they said, hey, are you going to get baptized? I go, baptized? I was baptized. And then you take that next step. And you go into water baptism. Reckoning that old man dead, according to Hebrew or Romans chapter 6. You know, the, these things that are, remember what we shared, a mystery, a previously hidden truth, now divinely revealed to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here we are 30 plus years later. I understand it. You understand it. Many of you understand it. But put your frame of mind in the Hebrew Christians here. It's got to be hard. Now let's get into this. Uh, the need for a new priesthood. We begin in Hebrews chapter 7. Look at verse 1 or verse 11, excuse me. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, and notice the parentheses, for under it the people received the law. He says, what further need was there that another priest uh, should rise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? Again, you got... You have this Jewish concept, this Jewish mind. This has to be foreign to you. And so when you see the word therefore, it's taking us back to what we have already studied, verses 1 through 10. Melchizedek, king of righteousness. And so now he begins now in perfection. The word is complete, completeness. If completeness could be achieved uh, through the Old Testament priesthood, which was of the tribe of Levi, Aaron was the first priest, the priesthood now. Here lies the Old Testament law. If it could save you, then not Aaron and the Levitical priesthood. This was temporal. The Levitical priesthood was temporal, and it could not save you. Jesus, I believe, as we studied last week, is this Melchizedek, this king of righteousness. I believe it's a theophany of Christ in the Old Testament. We see that in the Old Testament from time to time. Now, if it's not a theophany, an actual appearance of Christ in a bodily form in the Old Testament, and like I said, it happened before. If it's not, it's a strong typology. Jesus is this Melchizedek, or a strong typology. Jesus is the new covenant. Jesus is this new order, the new law salvation through Jesus Christ. Remember that verse, John 14, 6? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. I remember when that was foreign to me. 
took on my water baptism. I made my confirmation. You know, I, I did the rituals, the rites, the customs, the traditions. I made my Holy Communion. I mean, these were essentials for me. And then we find out that Jesus is the only way. Now, the Old Testament law, the Old Testament priesthood could not assure your sins were covered. I mean, they were covered, but they were not complete. They were not washed away in the blood of the Lamb. When, when you look in the Old Testament, the blood covered. It was the word kofar. It was temporal church. But Jesus now dies once and for all to give us life, eternal life, by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Remember that verse in John 19, 30? When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up uh, his spirit. The final cry of victory at Calvary, 2,000 years ago. It is finished. In other words, the law had pointed to the cross. The priesthood had pointed to the cross. The blood sacrifices had pointed to the cross. And at that moment, in his death, it is finished. It is a done deal once and for all. We're celebrating this weekend the freedoms in our nation, 4th of July, 1776 to the present time. So it's a beautiful weekend. It's an encouraging weekend. But I was thinking also of our freedoms in Christ because the law brings us to that place of, of a guilt complex, even... Uh, you know, in our own sin nature. Yet it's all replaced at the cross because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Now, church, this morning, please don't ever forget that the law points to the cross and the law points to the final sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ. This is why the need for a new priesthood and through Jesus Christ, it is done once and for all. Mark down this verse. I want you to hear it. In Malachi chapter 2, verse 7, Malachi writes, For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and the people should seek instructions from the priest's mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. And so that was the Old Testament. How much more now in our new high priest, Jesus Christ, our Savior, it's done as I listen to him, as I read his word, as his word speaks to me. According to King David, Psalm 110, verse 4, Jesus, our priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Again, I want you to think of the Hebrews that the letter is being written to. This was very foreign to them. They had to come to the place of saving grace. It was very foreign to me 30 years ago, thinking that I was righteous in the rituals, rites, customs, and traditions that I did, that many of you did. And then we come to the conclusion, I must go through the cross. Now notice verse 12. Let's continue. For the priesthood being changed. Now that's, that's a radical statement if you're a Jew. For the priesthood being changed, he says, of a necessity, there is also a change of the law. Not only is my priesthood changing, 
But now the law that I put my faith in, the law that I put my whole being in, what do you mean it's changing? Well, I thought about it in my own context. In Catholicism, my allegiance to the Pope, my allegiance to Mary, my allegiance to the saints, my allegiance to what I was believing, what I was taught. And all of a sudden, I must come to Christ. I must read his word. And as you read his word, the word speaks to you. It's not what man tells you. It's the word of God it tells you. That's why Isaiah says it will not come back void. But look at verse 12 again. If the priesthood changed, no longer the ironic priesthood, now Jesus Christ, our complete new priest, then the law governing the priesthood would have to change also, and that is that the blood of bulls, goats, lambs, turtle doves was not enough. It was just a covering. Jesus' blood and only his blood washes away our sins. Now, there's a few verses that challenged my heart years ago. Paul writes to two different churches, but he gives the same verse. Listen to this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, and then the other one is found in Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. And Paul writes, in him we have redemption. In Christ we have redemption uh, through his blood. Not through the blood of animals. That was a picture. That was a foreshadowing. That was what was coming. And it says here, in him we have redemption through his blood also the forgiveness of sin. It's not just covered now. It's washed away. Some of the old hymns that you read about the blood, we don't sing them that often, and we should. We're washed in the blood of the Lamb. Well, you know, it sounds kind of morbid. It sounds kind of gross, Pastor Bob. Washed in the blood of the Lamb? It's His blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Now, in the early church, they were accused of being cannibals because Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Mark down this verse in John chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus said, unless you eat the flesh, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You have no life in you. Now, in Catholicism, we were taught... Uh, transubstantiation that at the very moment that the mass was said in the consecration of the mass uh, the bread became the body and the blood uh, or the wine became the blood the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ and yet I read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and Paul is bringing back what Jesus words himself do this in remembrance of me when we partake of the bread, I'm reminded of the body of Jesus Christ, how it was plummeted, beaten, broken for me. We partake of the cup in remembrance of uh, the precious blood that was shed at Calvary. And so again, the priesthood now points uh, to the complete priesthood, the high priest, which is Christ. The animal sacrifices point to the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The law is complete in Christ. It's now the law of love. 
And as we read the scriptures, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. In a sense, he's not, you know, it's not being taken away. It's being put together. It's being complete when you think about it, church. It's not being taken away. And that brought joy to my heart. And as you continue to read, watch what the Holy Spirit is doing. Jesus said a radical statement to his disciples because he was being accused of making these changes. And Jesus says, I did not come uh, to destroy the law or, or the prophets, but I come to complete it. I come to complete it. I come to finish uh, the deal. It's done. The stamp of approval is his blood. Look at verse 13. We continue. For he of whom these things were spoken belonged to another tribe from which no man has officiated at the altar. He's speaking about the tribe of Judah. Jesus was of the tribe of Judah, not of the tribe of Levi, from which the priesthood came. Jesus could not be of the priesthood of Aaron. Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. That's what we studied last week. We studied last week that not only was Jesus a, a priest, but he was also a king. So a king and a priest. And the priesthood, listen to this, could only, the priesthood could only minister to the Jews. But Jesus comes into the position of a king and a priest, and, and the doors are open to him. Jesus is able, uh, as a king and a priest, to minister not only to the Jews, but also uh, to the Gentiles. And this morning, you know, we have to say praise God to that. Because according to Romans chapter 11, we become, the Gentiles are the grafted in branch. Now, God is not finished with the nation of Israel. But God has poured out his spirit also upon the Gentiles. Now, in your studies of the book of Acts, when you come to Acts chapter 10, Peter, Peter is told by the Holy Spirit to go to Cornelius' house. Hard concept, church. I want you to, again, put your frame of mind in Peter's heart. Peter's a fisherman. He's a strong believer in Judaism. He's been brought up in the strictness of the law. And so when Peter goes to Cornelius' house, the Lord tells him, Peter, eat what I have put on this great sheet because he saw all the Gentile foods. And Peter says, I've never eaten this stuff, Lord. I'm going to bless it, Peter. God was showing Peter. And it, the Spirit of the Lord was going to be poured out to the Gentiles. Now, listen to this verse. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34, And Peter opened his mouth, and he said, Most certainly and thoroughly, I now perceive and understand that God shows no partiality and no respecter of persons. I love that. No favoritism in God. Salvation to the Jew first. We know that. But salvation also to the Gentiles. You see, there's no partiality. Well, Catholicism is the only way, no. Calvary Chapel is the only way, no. The Baptist Church, Methodist Church, Presbyterian, Lutheran, just keep going down the line. No. But Jesus is our salvation. Now, we belong to different churches and such, but we must come to the cross. 
We must see what the scriptures have to say. And so the completion now of a new need for a priesthood, a new priesthood. One commentary said this about verse 13. The priesthood and the law by which perfection could not come are complete now because the priest has risen from the dead and a new dispensation is now set up by which true believers may be made perfect, complete, only through Jesus Christ, our new priests and our new law. Think about that, church. Even ourselves. Well, you know, I, I believe you just need to be good. No. Well, listen, I, I just believe you need to, you know, give to the poor. No. Well, I just believe you, you know, need to take care of some, some charities. No. Well, you know, Christmas time comes around and, you know, I give my no. You must come uh, to the cross. And so <laughs> I want you to think about this. The hardship that they had to, the same with us. Well, I grew up in this religious, you know, atmosphere. I always went to church. I was told. And then you come grips to what the scriptures have to say. Look at verse 14. Let's continue. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah. He says, this is the tribe he came from. That our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. You see, the priesthood, they only identified with the priesthood if it, they came from the Levitical priesthood, and they had to be Levites. We shared last week, Ronnie Cohen, our you know, guide in Israel, through DNA, he finds out that he's of the priesthood of Levi. It's very important to the Jew. And so now it changes here. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 3, I'm going to give you a series of verses and watch how they all tie up. Because Jesus was not of the Levitical priesthood. Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. And so in Matthew 1, verse 3, we read of Judah and the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This is what he came through. Now we go to the Old Testament. This is some good history, some good homework for you. In Genesis 49, verse 10, listen to what it says. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from uh, between his feet, until Shiloh, which is an ancient word that they use for the word Messiah, until Shiloh comes to him. Uh, shall be the obedience of the people. That the obedience of the people would turn from the priesthood now to Shiloh, which is Messiah. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Now this is David's dad. And a branch shall grow out of its roots. Verse 2, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of fear of the Lord. Think about that. It's all been given over to Shiloh, which is Messiah, which is Christ. Now I want you to think about a king, a ruler. You would look for him to be born, you know, of good parents, good line, good bloodline. And naturally, if a king or a ruler was to be born in New Mexico, you wouldn't look for him to be born out of Adol. And excuse me if you're from there. But you'd hope he was born from, you know, Albuquerque, 
or, you know, Santa Fe. They'd even throw in Las Cruces. Jesus, the Son of God, Savior of the world, the Messiah, this Shiloh was born in Bethlehem. What do you think that did to the religious leaders? Then he was raised in Nazareth. And they said, did anything good come out of Nazareth? We have this concept. I'm always amazed when you, you read the history uh, of England, and you have to have that blue blood. And I don't understand where the whole concept comes from, but if you're not in that line, and yet, read the history. Fornicators, adulterers, I don't care what color the blood is, sin is sin. Now listen to this, Micah, prophecy of Micah. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But you, Bethlehem Epaphrata, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, this is God speaking, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old and from everlasting. Our Messiah was born in an obscure place called Bethlehem. Now, put on your hats. Think about this. There was no room for him in the end. Joseph found a place for Mary behind one of the inns. There was a cutout, a cave, where the animals were kept. Jesus was placed in a trough where the animals were fed. And this is where the Son of God, uh, the Savior of the world, was born in total obscurity. Now, Matthew brings this back in chapter 2, verse 6. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, imagine in the time of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the religious sect of Judaism, the leaders were hearing this. Messiah? Not born in Jerusalem? Born in Bethlehem? In a manger? Placed in an animal's trough? Oh, that can't be. And then, if you were living in the time of the early church, the oppression by Rome, you're a Jew, you're waiting for Messiah. Messiah was to be born and to come, and they were looking for Messiah to rid them of the oppression of Rome. But Messiah came to die on the cross to give us life, life eternal. When we see, we, every time we celebrate Christmas here, we mention, we see this beautiful scene. Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the animals. Jesus in this manger. See, that little baby Jesus was born to die for all the sins of the world. <laughs> he did not come from the tribe of Levi, but he came from the tribe of Judah, as it was written in the scriptures. Now, let's continue. Let's go to verse 15 now. And it is yet... For more, of yet far more evident, if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest. The Hebrew Christians needed these confirmations then. What about us today in the 21st century? Not that Jesus would spring out of Judah, 
the tribe of Judah, but the point which he, he was endeavoring to establish, there must be a change of the priesthood. It was rendered still more evident from another consideration, a strong proof of the necessity of such a change of the priesthood was finished from the fact that Messiah was to be of the tribe of Judah. But much stronger because as a priest, he was to be of the order of Melchizedek. That is, he was of the same place which one who did not even belong to the tribe. Resembling, I like that, resembling, that is, he was to be of the order of Melchizedek. Now again, last week, we looked at Melchizedek, king of righteousness. Who is he? How do we find him back in Genesis chapter 14? How do we see that, you know, Abraham, and Melchizedek meet up together. They break bread. They have communion. And then Jesus declares to the religious leaders later, before Abraham was, I am. And they wanted to take up stones and to kill him. You see, Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek because I believe Melchizedek was a theophany of Christ in the Old Testament. If not, he was a strong representation, a strong type. Jesus did not come from the tribe of Levi, or he did not come from the Aaronic priesthood, but he came after the order of Melchizedek. Now, the Jewish minds had to come to grips with that. Notice verse 16. We'll continue. It'll develop further who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. Are they speaking about Melchizedek? Or are they speaking about Jesus Christ? Now, the King James uses the word carnal commandment, which is the word uh, fleshly. He says, uses the word carnal commandment. The order of Melchizedek is contrasted to the order of Levi rather than compared to it. The law made men's, men priests. Jesus did not need the law to be made a, a king and a priest because Jesus already has, listen, as the scripture shares here, eternal life. And for this reason, he is an unchangeable. The word is endless. He is unchangeable. He is endless as a king and a priest forever. Jesus is a king and a priest from the foundations of the world. You see, Jesus always was and always will be. The phrase endless life is only found here in Hebrew chapter 7, verse 16 in, in the New Testament. The Greek word is permanent life. The power of the eternal life. The word dunamis power is used of eternal life because he is God. You see, Jesus always was. Now, we tell you, you go to Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. We read from left to right, but just go off the page. Read from right to left. Well, Pastor Bob, nothing's there. True, but Jesus was already there. He was there before Genesis. He was there at the creation of Genesis. 
we saw that in the beginning of the book of Hebrews. Now, I want you to listen to this verse. Pay attention to it. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak, he says, through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of a sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. Now, as I read that, we know that Jesus becomes a man. He takes on flesh. He becomes one of us. But Jesus had a sinless life. There was no sin about him because he was the son of God, the savior of the world. Now, again, Romans chapter 8, verse 3 the New Living Translation makes a whole lot of sense. He says, The law of Moses could not save us because of our sinful nature, but God put into effect a different plan to save us. He sent His own Son in a human body like ours, except that our, ours are a sinful bodies. God destroyed sin, sin's control over us by giving His Son as a sacrifice for our sins. So Jesus is our complete king. Jesus is our complete priest. Listen to this. Now Jesus is our complete sacrifice. Sacrifice. Now the word complete gives us the connotation it's done. I don't need another priest. I don't need another law. I don't need another sacrifice. Jesus completed it at the cross at Calvary. It is finished. It is done. Now again, everybody tries different avenues. What do the scriptures say? Not what Pastor Bob has to say or Calvary Chapel or any ministry. What do the scriptures say? What does Jesus say when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life? What do we say when the Father says, hear he him? Listen to the Son. Now I want you to turn with me to John chapter 5. And let's go to verse 25. And so Jesus speaks of the authority that God the Father has given to his Son. Again, he dies on the cross and he's completed everything. And all authority now is given over to him. In John chapter 5, look at verse 25. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. What's the key there? We study the word. We come. We receive the word. There must be obedience. And then after obedience, there has to be application. Notice verse 26. For as the Father has life in himself... So he has granted the son to have life in himself. Listen. And has given him, verse 27, authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man. The father has given all authority to the son. In Colossians chapter 2, I believe it's verses 8 and 9. In the Godhead bodily, Christ exists. We understand the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
But then Paul tells the church of Colossae, and the Godhead bodily, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Now, in John chapter 8, verse 58, that's why the religious leaders couldn't handle this. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. How can that be? And then they accused Jesus. You're not even 50 years old. Before Abraham was, I am. In John 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and my father are one. Now, remember Philip? Philip asked Jesus, show us the father and it will be sufficient. Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. These are radical statements. Jesus declaring a deity. All authority has been given over to him. It's a beautiful position to be. Salvation is not through Judaism. Salvation is not through any religion or any church or non-denominational church, but it's through Christ. Now, I believe we need the church. I believe we need pastors, teachers, evangelists. But we need to hear the word of God. What does the word of God have to say? Not what man has to say. And you need to be encouraged to study, to read. Show thyself approved unto God. A right man that rightfully uh, divides the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15. Look at verse 17. Let's continue. For he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now we taught last week concerning Melchizedek out of Genesis 14 where Mel Melchizedek he was the priest of the Most High God. We determined the new translation there that, that he is El Elyon. Brought out, of the, brought out to Abraham communion of bread and wine. Then Abraham paid Melchizedek tithe of the spoils of the victory over the five kings in the valley of Shev, the king's valley. And the writer now, which I believe is Paul the Apostle. If not, we can come to an agreement. It's the Holy Spirit. As he dictates this book of Hebrews, he quotes from Psalm 110, verse 4, saying, After the order of Melchizedek, Jesus is this high priest. I mean, it's just a beautiful place to be. And if we don't understand that, then we don't come to grips with it. Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek. This Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High. David wrote this in the Psalms. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek, not Levi or the Aaronic priesthood. Notice that the Holy Spirit is careful to place uh, the emphasis on the writer of Psalm 110, verse 4. In other words, this is God doing this, not man, Moses or Aaron. This is God. It's not a man-made priesthood, not the law, but God did this. Jesus is God when we think of this and the terms to understand. Now, let me take verse 17 a little step further. Here lies the proof text that Melchizedek is Christ, or a good, strong representation 
Melchizedek was not appointed according to the carnal commandment, the fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life because he is the priest forever, or better yet, one that never dies and is never disabled from performing the important function of his office because he is Jesus Christ, is a priest forever. He lives today and he sits at the right hand of the Father and he makes intercession for us. Oh, I love that. We sit here and we wonder uh, some of the things we go through, some of the trials, the tribulations, the hardship, and the pain. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. Listen, he's praying for me. He's praying for you. He's making intercession for us. Now, the enemy likes to come into your camp and come into your mind, come into your heart. You're not forgiven. You blew it again. God's disowned you, you know. In Romans 8, 1, there's no more condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Man, if we've come to Christ, forgiveness is at the cross once and for all. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail. But that's why we have Christ. That's why we need Christ. He is this high priest forever. He has an endless life. You see, Jesus always was and always will be. Now, look at verse 18. For on the one hand, there is an annulling, annulling, that is, uh, of the former commandment because of its weaknesses and unprofitableness. Now, put your hat on, your thinking cap. You're one of these Hebrews. You've come to saving grace now. And you're hearing from, you know, your peers. You're hearing from your teachers. You don't need the law. It's complete now. You don't need the animal sacrifices. It's complete now. You don't need the law. It's complete in Christ. You need the Word of God as the Word of God was being developed. And so now it says here, the weakness and the unprofitableness in it. And so the old requirements about the priesthood was set aside now, annulled. The Greek is telling us the cancellation of putting away because it was weak and unprofitable. Listen now, here's the explanation. The law was weak because it only covered your sin. Unprofitable because it could not save you. Only the precious blood of Jesus Christ could save you. It saves us to the uttermost. And so again, we can struggle with that. Think about it. If you're in, in the Jewish concept, you mean on the eighth day I was circumcised and it was for nothing? It's nullified now. I bring in my animal sacrifices for all these years, it's nullified. The priesthood, it's nullified. You see, brings us to the cross. It completes it at the cross. This is why Jesus said, it is finished. Now turn to another passage. Let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 5. Uh, look at verse 20 and 21. I want you uh, to read this with me. Because again, we see here, <laughs> he says, for 
Verse 18 again, for on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and an unprofitableness. And so the law was weak. It was unprofitable. We saw why. And listen to what Paul says now. Romans 5, verse 20. The law was added so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. The law kept us in bondage, church, but grace freed us. Now, I don't fully understand grace. Because, see, I had this concept, well, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do this, and then uh, I might have to do a little bit more to cover my sins, to take care of my sins, but I come to saving grace. We know the, the meaning of grace. It's unmerited favor. I deserve judgment, but he gives us grace. Do I fully understand grace? No. Should I take advantage of grace? In a sense, yes, but let's not go out and sin purposely because I'm under grace. But God has given us his grace. Look at verse 21, Romans 5 still. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord once and for all. Grace. Wonderful grace. The Bible says how much grace do we need? All the grace that you can take. Ask. Now here's another verse. Write it down. Uh, Romans 8, 3. He says, For what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering, and so he condemned sin in a sinful man. Through Christ, he, he took on he took on sin. Now we know that Jesus was one hundred percent God, one hundred percent man. Don't split it. Well, Jesus was fifty fifty. No, he was one hundred percent God, one hundred percent man. That's the incarnation of Christ. And yet he was born without sin. He was born without sin. We're born with Adamic sin, and then Jesus knew no sin. But at the cross, when Jesus died, the Bible says that the Father turned from the Son because at that moment, all the sins of the world, past, present, and future, were upon the complete sacrifice, Jesus Christ the righteous one. Oh, man, I'll tell you. Now we come to the conclusion. Look at verse 19. Uh, stay there in Romans 5. We're going to go back. In verse 19, for the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope. And that better hope is Christ, through which we draw near to God. The law made nothing complete, the word perfect. And now a better hope has taken its, its place. And here's the better hope. Jesus Christ died on the cross, and this is how we draw near to God. Again, John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. You see, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is my complete sacrifice. Jesus is the completeness of the law. Jesus is the final and complete high priest. Again, the Jewish mind. They had to come to grips with that. 
What about our Gentile mind? Well, you know, I grew up in the Baptist church. I grew up in the Methodist church. I grew up in the Presbyterian church, the, you know, and the list goes on. 30 years ago, I grew up in Catholicism. My allegiance to the Pope? No. My allegiance to Mary? No. My allegiance to, you know, the saints? No. Well, what about the sacraments that I made? No. It's through Christ. And how do you find these out? But by going to the scriptures. In Romans 10, 13, those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How, how do you interpret that? Those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does it take? I heard one preacher, and I, I lean to agree with him. Uh, they're gonna, somebody's going into a head-on collision. They can see it. They know it. It's inevitable. There's no changing it. In that split second, that moment, they say, oh, my God. Is that a salvation cry? I don't know. One preacher says, I believe it is. What entailed behind that, oh, my God. Oh, my God, we're going to crash. Oh, my God, save me. We've been in some of those situations. But those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And here's the promise. God gives everyone, every man and woman, the opportunity to repent. Even till their last dying breath. Again, verse 19. She says here, For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw closer to God. And that better hope is Christ. And what he accomplished at the cross, I have access now to the throne of grace. Remember when Jesus died, gave up the ghost. He says it is finished. The Bible says that the temple curtain rent in two. Nobody could go into the Holy of Holies but once a, once a year and the Day of Atonement, the Day of Yom Kippur, and it was the high priest, and he had to go in by himself. Well, that curtain rent in two. It opened it up to the Holy of Holies through Christ, our complete priest. Now, I ask you to stay there in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 now. Romans 5 begins in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, he says, Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, not only so, he says, but we also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces, and listen to the progress here, because we all go through trials, we all go through hardship and pain and suffering, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Verse 4, perseverance uh, produces character, character produces hope. And verse 5, and hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given freely to us through Christ through Christ you know when I first came to saving grace I didn't grasp it all completely totally they told me my sins were forgiven they told me I'm born again of the Holy Spirit that was foreign to me I was just like Nicodemus in John chapter 3 how can I go back into my mother's womb I'm a new creation 
I'm a new creature in Christ. But as I began to read, as I began to study, as I began to come to church and to receive the word of God, it comes together. It just all of a sudden comes together. It's no longer a mystery. But now it's been divinely revealed to us. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says you know that you're saved because you know. How do you know? <laughs> the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. And he begins to change your life. How did I stop cursing? How did I stop drinking? How did I stop, you know, the sales of drugs? How did I go on with it? Look at your testimony. Man, I haven't gossiped in a week. Something must be wrong with me. I mean, God changes you. And if you're sincere with God, we've said this before, he will be sincere with me. Man, I used to pray, Lord, change me. Lord, transform me. And little by little, it starts happening. Some people overnight, some people a prog progression, but God begins to change you. Not the theology that you were taught as a young kid, be it in Judaism or be it in, you know, Protestantism, but what the scriptures have to say. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I'll tell you what, you can't go wrong. This is that new priesthood, which is Christ. We're going to continue. We're going to see more uh, in the book of Hebrews. You cannot miss when you study the word of God. Let's all stand. We'll end with a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, we give you praise and honor and glory for your goodness and your grace, your love and your mercy. Father, I know it's hot, I know it's warm, but I thank you, Lord, that we listen to the word of God. And I pray this morning that we have time now to make that application. Maybe there's somebody here I don't know. Maybe you're here and you've never made that commitment to Christ. You've tried your religious ways, but you've never come to grips and asked Christ to come into your life. With every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm going to give you that opportunity. Uh, maybe we're all believers here, maybe not. But I'd like to ask you, if you've never received Christ, you're not sure, here's that opportunity. I'm not going to ask you to come up, but right there where you're at, you can receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, you'd like to ask him into your heart this morning, please raise your hand and we'll say a simple prayer of faith. Anybody here before we close? Don't leave here without Christ. Anybody, real quick. Praise the Lord. Then if we're all Christian, let's, let's continue to serve Jesus. Let's continue to serve him for his kingdom, for his glory, for his purpose. Father, I thank you for your church, the body of Christ. I thank you, Lord, for the commitments that we've made in time past, Lord. And Father, we ask for an anointing of the Holy Spirit upon our own lives to understand and to know who you are, Lord. And so, Father, bless this time. Bless your beautiful people, Lord. Minister to them. Meet all of their needs, Lord. We pray for the offerings this morning. As you've given to us, Lord, we give back a portion. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.